friends uh my name is macy larson and i'm travis roby oh god you're back future president oh, travis no. roby okay well as promised we're back for part three of uh the travis takeover you know we thought it was going to be three parts but if he's running for president and uh sounds like he's really it's gonna be as many parts as i damn well please okay that's only vaguely threatening and i am the one with the recording equipment <laughs> yeah. so i mean <laughs> Um, well, Becca did challenge me to a fist fight, I think. That's you know, accurate. You know what? Yeah, because I, I did, believe it or not, I listened to the podcast. What? I know. Uh, because I'm a huge narcissist, I listened to my episodes like four or five times a piece. See, that doesn't surprise me. I'm very funny. <laughs> just say it. But... I will. I will address. Uh, I will address Becca's challenge to a duel mm -hmm. towards the end, or I'll forget about it. That's also possible. Well, I did tell her after we ended the recording, she will be at the wedding. Okay, I'll fight. So her. you can I'll fight her. her at my wedding. I'll fight her at your okay. wedding. <laughs> um, so let's let's start off strong with some anime or wrestling because I don't talk about character ideas on this podcast. Yeah, I just hell submit yeah. them. I'm the idea man. Yeah. So I'm the failure girl. Yeah. Yep. I, I just, no end of comment. That's just the end. Of <laughs> yep. Uh, so number one, a Bayou cult leader. This character also has several hench people of various sizes for the heroes to overcome, and thousands more of fireflies. A Bayou cult leader? Yes. That's this character's thing. I think it's an anime. Bray Wyatt is the leader of the um, Wyatt family at WWE, consisting of himself, Luke Harper, Eric Rowan, Daniel Bryan, Braun Strowman, and Randy Orton, each at different points of their respective careers. While the Wyatt family was quite well received due to its use of the supernatural, the stable has since soured with nearly every member going in different directions. So tell me, are the Fireflies like other fighters on his team? No, they're straight up, the, this was a thing that was kind of built by the audience. This is again why the audience is so powerful. They just started pulling out their phones uh, and they would turn the screens on and they would just wave them around during his entrance. That's cool. And he started calling them the Fireflies. It was super awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was totally awesome. Again, the audience is very important. Mm -hmm. And the audience is clamoring for the second character. Yeah upon which we will discuss. This character is obviously inspired by Bruce Lee with a hint of post-apocalyptic theming. One more time. This character is obviously inspired by Bruce Lee with a hint of post-apocalyptic theming. <sighs> That's so vague. Um, anime. Kinshiro is the protagonist of Fist of the North Star, a Mad Max-inspired anime about Yay! a modern martial artist with the inexplicable ability to tell opponents <laughs> that they are already dead immediately before their torsos explode. Nice! So Kenshiro's thing is that he hits people's pressure points and goes, Obewa wa shinderu, and then they're just, their torso just explodes because he's telling them, you're already dead, and <laughs> they explode. He's also literally, I, I put that one in, and I'm like, if she doesn't guess anime, because, like, that's just such a safe bet. 
Yeah. To be like, this is probably an anime character. Yeah. And also, he's one of the most well-renowned anime characters in the history of anime. Did you see, really quick, that Verve put out... um, Cameron sent me a link to a Verve article that was like, is anime really just like animated wrestling and he was like oh god yeah Crunchyroll did a video on yeah. that too it was awesome I loved it and I'm like this is going in my favorites forever mm-hmm. uh, so let's go to let's go to character number number three so this character is a host of a Blues Clues-esque kids show but things are not as they seem wrestling after the dissolution of the Wyatt family, yeah! Bray Wyatt, seemingly reformed, went on to host a kids show called the Firefly Funhouse, along mascots like a buzzard and a witch. While hosting the show, Bray engages in activities like chainsawing a cardboard cut out of his own self, painting his house when uh, making a painting of his house when Randy Orton set it on fire, teaching kids words like sociopath, expressing yourself, and so on. Wow. Yeah, I really just kind of want to see if I can get the same character in there twice. Yep, and you did. But I did. I'm very good. But so far, you're like two for three. Yeah. I'm very, very proud of you. Thank you. Okay. So, last one. This character wants so badly to be a part of the Cool Kids Club, and he is willing to endure all the hazing to get in, for better or worse. He goes on a reality TV show. He helps the club leader cheat on an important test and even takes a lashing to try to impress the current members of the club. Anime. Husky Harris is the first character we see played by Windham Rotunda on (laughs) WWE TV. After the initial reality TV style uh, season of NXT, Harris tries repeatedly to get into and stay a part of the Nexus, a group led by Wade Barrett and later by CM Punk. He is eventually punted in the head by Randy Orton and returns to TV sometimes later as Bray Wyatt. Damn it! Three. <laughs> three for three. I love I love the character arc so much. I'm not a big fan of the Bray Wyatt character um, because he got boring for a number of different reasons. Like, you can only come out and be kind of like a creepy cult leader and also not that offensive at the same time for so long before you're like, okay, like you're, when are you going to sacrifice someone to something? Yeah. Or like all these other different things that are inherently very, very Russell talk, but we're not here to talk about specifically just wrestling. We did plenty of that. We did last time. Last two episodes. Don't worry. I imagine when I when I take over the presidency of this podcast, uh-huh. there will be okay. significantly wow. more talk about wrestling. Okay. Eventually, this will just be a sure. wrestling x anime podcast. Mm. So okay, yeah. Are we, you gonna rename uh, it, or is it still just gonna be a likely adventure? Unlikely adventure, because a lot podcast. of these guys are really not the likely people you would expect to be champion. Like nobody expected Kofi Kingston to become champion, but yet here we are because of the power of the people. Anyways, <laughs> so we we're gonna talk about. <laughs> What it takes to become a likely adventurer in real life. So for those of you who don't know, which I imagine is basically all of you, I would say everyone except my older brother, but I can't get him to listen to the podcast, even though I'm like, dude, I'm on it. And he's like, I know, I should listen to it. Yeah, he should. He's only listened to the parts where I've like walked into his room and been like, listen to this part. And he just sits there. The thing I exposit for four minutes in the podcast, and then I tell a joke, and he's like, ha, you're funny. And then he goes back to whatever it is that he's doing. 
But for those of you who don't know, I work my day job and basically night job because I'm there all the time is I'm a personal trainer. I have a Bachelor of Arts in Kinesiology with a minor in Sports Psychology. I've been training people for about five years now. Including um, me. Including you and Cameron. So... I like to think that I am fairly well-versed on the topic of exercise. I've been working out myself for about 13 years now, so I've been at it for a while. Um, I've made plenty of mistakes. I've made plenty of successes. I went to school, and I spent a lot of money to find out things about exercise. And I'm here to give a very truncated and very shortened version of that and how it relates to D&D. First disclaimers for just people to know is... Before starting any exercise program, you should probably check with a doctor. Um, listening to other fun doctor-related podcasts like Sawbones, mm-hmm. which you turned me on to, which is great. But <laughs> the problem is, I doubt that listening to a podcast qualifies as seeing a doctor. You, the main thing, so just so people know why. It's very important for me as a trainer, my style. I like my people to know why they're doing something. The reason why we tell you to go see a doctor before you start exercising is make sure there's no contraindications to exercise, meaning things that might hurt you that you didn't think about beforehand. Like you might have some issues with your heart, some issues with your blood pressure that could really affect the types of exercise that you might be doing. So it's important to establish whether or not it's safe for you to begin exercising. Also, if you're allergic to a lot of things, that are really, really not so good for just you, but I recommend to a lot of people like I, love eggs and I love milk. Both of those could kill you, Macy, Mm -hmm. specifically. So it's important to know what you're allergic to, what you can and can't do, whether or not you can't raise, whether or not like how much weight can you raise above your head as far as how much moving your arms above your head at load can affect your blood pressure. There's a lot of different things that go into designing an exercise program that is healthy and safe for you. And also I don't want to get sued. So yeah, that's fair. Go see a doctor, kids. They're pretty great. They didn't go to school for a long-ass time to keep you from dying. So. <laughs> on that note. On that note. So, in Dungeons & Dragons, the two, pri- the, well, the three primary physical stats. I have a hair in my mouth somehow. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and address that right now. It's a very visual thing. <laughs> okay, let's drink water. Water's good for you. That's lesson number one, kids. It does the dragons drink um, water. Yep. Technically speaking, you can overdose on water. It's called water toxicity and uh, drowning. That's the other version. But there are the three main physical stats in most D&D games and most tabletop games in general are strength, dexterity, constitution. Constitution, I don't have a whole lot to talk about. The main thing is uh, most people can agree having more hit points is good. And also being able to survive poisons and stuff. But... Mm-hmm. On strength versus dexterity, it's important. To, well, first we need to establish what do what does each stat affect to a certain extent. With strength, it affects your to hit with strength based weapons, your carry weight, athletics checks, strength saves, and jumping. And I would ask you, when's the last time you had a DM be like, "Hey, what's your carry weight at right now?" Like, never. Never. Never yep. checked. Ever. I don't think anyone ever, like, in our whole group even uses, like, the... I did for a long time with 
the encumbrance. encumbrance. With the modern campaign, the main balancing factor for modern characters was the fact that ammo has to weigh something and their guns have to weigh something. That's mm-hmm. how it was going to balance that. So I tracked it in that campaign. But if all you carry is your tactical Instagram kit and your handgun, <laughs> like there's really not a whole lot of encumbrance <laughs> happening right there. And then there's also jumping. When's the last time you're like, gee, how far can my character jump? The only time was actually I had a one shot that I did. Yeah, a one shot. With like someone not in our group. Yeah, and then for the most part, people are like, oh, I can probably jump that. Last time, basically, every time someone has to jump a distance, the DM's just like, oh, roll an athletics check. And if you roll like literally anything above like a 10, they're probably like, you make it, unless you're like, I jump from this building to the moon, in which case (laughs) DC's a little bit higher. It's like a 16. But, like, as far like, hitting stuff and athletics are really the only times that it ever comes up. Occasionally you'll do a strength save to avoid being grappled, but otherwise it doesn't show up nearly as often as dex does. Dexterity affects your ranged attacks um, and finesse weapons. Note that by ranged attacks it does not mean throwing weapons. Like, a, a throwing axe and a javelin use strength. Read the book, it's in there. People get that along, wrong a lot on actual play podcasts and videos on YouTube, and it drives me insane. But your long bows, short bows, throwing knives, um, finesse weapons, you know, rogue, rogue shit, monk shit. Um, Also, initiative, that's another big one that everyone likes going first. Acrobatics, stealth, sleight of hand, and thieves tools. It also affects your armor class, and most importantly, it also affects dexterity saving throws, which, mathematically speaking... I don't know why I said mathematically speaking. It's more like a matter of, like, I don't know, census data. It's the most common saving throw in the game that people will have to roll. Out of all the monster effects and all the spells, the one that shows up the most is make a dexterity saving throw. So it's often called a god stat on a lot of forums because it affects just a lot of stuff. And most people want more initiative. Most people want a little bit of extra AC. Most people want a good dexterity saving throw. But only a few characters need strength. For strength, like you need, you have your traditional fighters, you know, the sword and shield fighter, barbarians, whether it's a great weapon master barbarian with the two handed sword or like a sword and shield barbarian trying to just tank an AC and soak damage and all that, a paladin, and then some rangers, bards, and clerics might also need strength. And then for dexterity, you have. Every row, <laughs> most of the rangers, finesse-based fighters and paladins, any archer, most bards, every monk, lots of melee warlocks, and basically everyone who wants more AC and initiative. So most characters will, like, if you want to dump a stat, you're like, well, I don't want to have bad decks because I want to dodge so stuff. I don't want to have bad constitution because I need to have hit points because Travis is going to try to kill me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to have bad wisdom because I need perception checks. I don't want to have bad intelligence because I don't want to not know things. And I want to be able to talk to people. Well, let's just let's just dump strength. And then after that, people dump charisma because then they're like, well, only one of us needs to be personable. And any other problem, we can just kill it immediately. Because Which we've talked about why that bothers me so much. But I think it's important to recognize why I love strength as a stat. So there are a lot of problems that can be solved really, really easily just with an application of force. And the other thing is that strength does not have a recharge. So me, Travis the person, I can deadlift 400 pounds 
any time, anywhere, any place, any day of the week. I don't need a recharge. I probably want to warm up to it first. But I can pick twice my body weight up off the ground anytime. Versus, like, if I was a wizard, I need to, I, I can blow all my spells trying to solve problems or in fights, and then we get to the big thing, and I'm like, well, guys, I'm out. And then the fighter's got to stroll in there with his long sword and get shit done. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's a lot of problems that, like, if there's a locked door in front of the party and the rogue can't pick the lock and he breaks his lock picks, well, the wizard could use a spell, or the fighter could just kick the door in. Yeah. There's a boulder blocking the path of the party. What do we do? Oh, the dex character can just sort of acrobatics and gymnastics his way across it, but then the rest of the party is still on the other side, and the wizard's like, well, I don't want to use Bigby's hand on this, and the fighter's like, fine, I'm just going to Chris Redfield it, and I'm just going to punch this boulder until it's out of the way. (laughs) Or, like, let's say the party needs to climb a high tower. If I, like, here's the other side note. Acrobatics is not for climbing. Mm-mm. It is not for climbing at all. It is for. Isn't that technically an athletics check? It is one hundred percent an yeah. athletics check, and it's acrobatics is also not for jumping. I've had players say to me like they want to roll it, they want to jump, and I'm like, do an impressive athletic jump, and I'm like, okay, roll athletics, and they're like, they push up, they they um, they push up their nerd glasses at their be, they're like, wouldn't that be acrobatics, Travis? And I'm like, no, I went to college for this. It's athletics. What if I do a cool flip? What if you do a cool flip? Cool. You're still rolling athletics. Yeah. I can do a backflip, not because I'm acrobatic, because I'm really <laughs> athletic. That's how I do that. So if I like, if I want to climb up it, if I'm the fighter, I can just be like, whatever, guys. Give me like two minutes and a rope, and I just climb up, and I lower a rope, and then the rest of the party can climb up on a rope which, on a much easier athletics check. To the point where if the party had a knotted rope and everyone had a strength of at least 10, I probably wouldn't make people roll for it. Because climbing a knotted rope along a wall is really, really easy, assuming you're an adventurer with at least a strength of 10. Mm -hmm. Like, basically any problem that you have can be solved by, like, a number of different things, but the one that always has an infinite recharge and infinitely usable that can benefit the entire party is always the strength-based character. The dexterity-based character can absolutely get themselves past a thing, but they might not be able to get the rest of the party past it. My older brother also told me about times where he would, you guys would get into fights, and instead of having the fight, he would just grab the bad guy and th- hurl him out a window. Yep, yep. Yeah, like you... Yeah. Yeah, now the fight's over, because the bad guy was literally just, like, gorilla-pressed and chucked out a window. Yeah, no, it was one of my favorite fights. Yeah. Cameron was so excited about this big bad that he had built, and then Mulgrim came and just, like, grabbed him <laughs> by the lapel. And, and like, was like, fuck you, throws <laughs> Threw him out a window and crushed a bridge with him. Yeah, like, it's... There's a, great. There's a lot of great things that you can do with strength that if you're creative to a certain extent with how you break things or how you lift heavy things. Like it gives you a lot of different options. The other thing that I really enjoy about, um, again, pulling out my nerd glasses. For those of you who aren't listening, I have a pair of sunglasses that are bright orange that say kill clip on the side because I go to the gym <laughs> and I'm, it lets me push up my nerd glasses when, a, when someone says, you can't do that. I, you're like, I literally had this happen once in a game. We were playing Stars Without Number. I was playing a, I was playing a, a sniper, a police sniper 
Like, that's what he did before he became a space cowboy. Simon or no? Um, not Simon. Okay. Uh, his name was Manny Calavera, because I just watched a playthrough of Grim Fandango on YouTube by Day9 and his friends, and that was great. So, and I'm wearing, and Manny has a strength of, like, 16 or whatever. And Nathan tells, and I was like, oh, I want to, we're in a shipping spaceship, and where we're, like, this bad guy takes cover behind this pallet with some stuff on it. And I'm like, I just want to flip over the pallet onto the guy with all the stuff on it. Nathan yeah. says to me, Travis, you can't flip that over. It weighs like 500 pounds. And I just looked him in the eye and I said, I flipped over an 800 pound tire this morning. And he just looked at me and he's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that this morning at the gym. And he's like, Okay, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that you can do that. And, like, I, I did it. It was one of those things where I could take something directly from the real world that I know because I don't know a whole lot about how to throw fireballs out of my hands. Yeah. And to, just to be like, well, this is a thing that I know I can do, and if my character is, in theory, stronger than me, then he can obviously do it. And, Nathan, and I, especially since I'm wearing power armor, and Nathan's like, fine! You flip it over onto him. He gets crushed to death by Twinkies and Dig Dogs or whatever was on the, the crate. The best death. Yeah, he gets killed by junk food in multiple ways. Um, <laughs> so, the question is often raised also on forums is, well, how do I raise my strength in-game? If strength is so good, how would I do that in-game? Mm -hmm. Because I've, I've seen this asked before, and I have been asked this before. Well, why can't my wizard just start, like, doing push-ups and shit? Why, why can't he? He's not that strong. Surely he can, he can just work out and gain some strength in the meantime when he's not studying. And the easy answer is to be like, well, you can use your ability score improvements that you get at 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th level. Mm -hmm. And more if you are a fighter or rogue. You can use those for that. And most players are like... Yeah, I'd rather spend that on, like, feats and in other ability scores. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to have strength for free. Come on, Travis, it's the most worthless stat. No, it's not. You've been paying attention for this long in the podcast. You know I'm definitely going to argue against that. <laughs> so, strength training needs three things. I think of this, think of this as a three-digit number area code. If you get any one of them wrong, guess what? Nothing happens now. Um, obviously... If you get close, you can kind of work your way towards whatever the right digit is if you know two of them are right, but eventually you really want to get all of them right if you're going to call the right number. You need some form of stimulus, some form of nutrition, and some form of rest. We'll talk more about those, more, more about those later. And then strength training also generally follows six basic principles. Specificity, meaning if I want to get better at a thing, I need to do that thing. If I want to get better at running, I got to run. If I want to get better at doing push-ups, I got to push. And so on and so forth. I want stronger legs, got to work my legs. Mm -hmm. And also, if I want not necessarily just stronger legs, but more powerful legs or more or bigger legs, those are two different things. Power being force applied over time. So, specificity. And then overload. Overload is just whatever your muscles are used to, do more than that. If my muscles are used to doing 10 push-ups, I'm doing 12. If I'm used to squatting 200 pounds, I'm doing 215 pounds now. Or just whatever it is. So some way to progressively overload 
which goes into the next one, which is progression. You need to progress your muscles because, and of the things that you're doing, because eventually they will get used to that previous overload, so they will need progression. And then there's individual variability, meaning a number of different things. At one, some people have better genetics that respond to better different things. Some people start from different points in their fitness journeys as far as being morbidly obese or just really underweight. Or for me, like if I started a program right now, my, inter my individual variability would put me at a higher place than most people by virtue of the fact that I've just been lifting weights longer. Yeah. So for the concept of variability, I have really, really strong glutes, but really, really weak biceps. I'm never going to have big, beefy arms. It's just not a thing that's ever going to happen for Travis. I've got big legs that make it hard to buy pants, but I don't have <laughs> big arms. That's the other thing that they don't talk about in D&D is like, where do your character, where does your 20 strength barbarian go to buy pants? <laughs> Simple answer, doesn't wear pants, exclusively a loincloth guy. Yep. That's why everything I wear is like joggers, yeah, joggers <laughs> and gym shorts. It's the modern equivalent of a loincloth. Then there's the ideas of diminishing returns, meaning the more you do, that means the more you're going to have to do. Mm -hmm. So as far as getting diminishing returns. So if we look at some of your numbers that we did since you've been work, how long have we been working out, would you say? Two months? Two months. Beginning of March, I think. Beginning of March. So if I look back at the numbers that I have written down for you, so testing notes, we, in two months, we... Went, brought you from 10 push-ups to 20 push-ups. Okay, we doubled your push-up numbers. Woo! And notably, the last time I did a push-up max, you and Cameron were there, I did 75 push-ups. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea how many how many people I would stab in the throat to bring that, to double that number? How hard Probably it is? Yeah, people. like a lot of people. <laughs> it, was, it might be more than zero. Realistically, it's still zero. I'm not going to stab anybody for the sake of gains. But it's really hard for me to, like, if we did another max out of push-ups right now, you might be able to get, like, 22 or 23. You might be able to get a little bit more than what we did, like, a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. I'm probably not getting more than 75. I might be lucky if I get even close to that because of how much diminishing returns there are. As far as, like, if I, like, if I could add, like, 10 pounds to my deadlift or 10 pounds to my squat... That, that's huge. Yeah. But it's it's so small compared to what I'm act currently lifting, but just because of the amount of diminishing returns. So we'll talk about how extreme some workout routines get later as far as the amount of times you train in a week versus the amount of times that I train in a day. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one is regression. And this one's easy. If you stop working out, you get weaker. Yep. You just, you don't use it, you lose it. That's the hardest part is when you get to your fitness goals, you're like, okay, I'm done. And then you stop dieting, you stop working out, you stop going on your runs and then everything falls apart and you've regained the weight and you're like, what the, what, fucking what? Yep. How? How did this happen to me? <laughs> I didn't deserve this. So the quick and dirty rules that I would wrote, the, the caveat that I set for myself is like, I just got to come up with rules for, for this in game in five minutes. And this is what I have is that, if your character works out a number of months equal to their score plus their modifier, they can increase their score by one. Meaning, if you have a negative modifier, if you add a negative number to a whole number, like to a positive integer, that's subtraction now. Like it's yeah. if you so 
If you have 7 strength, it takes you 5 months. If you have 14 strength, it takes you 16 months. If you have 19 strength, you have 23 months to increase your score, which is, you know, basically 2 years. Yeah. And so I double I did the math. It would take someone approximately 14 years to go from 10 strength to 20 strength, assuming they just work out. And I would increase this duration if a character is actively adventuring, lacks access to the proper equipment, doesn't plan their workouts, or drinks alcohol, or a number of different factors. And I would decrease this if the character is actively being trained by a character who is both stronger than them and smarter than them. Logic being that if I'm if I'm dumber than you, how am I gonna? How, I don't I mean, know actively, more. Like, yeah, I don't know more things than you. I'm yeah. dumber than you. Yeah. And if I'm not stronger than you, I can't demonstrate things effectively as far as helping you figure out how to do things. And also the semantics of like, here's a gym bro thing. I don't like I don't like barbell bench pressing because sometimes I'm in the gym and I look around and I got my weight on a bench and I set up on a bar on the rack and I'm looking around for a dude that can spot me. And I want to find a dude that looks like if I, if I tear a peck, is this guy going to be able to pull this bar off of me? And I look around and I don't see enough strong looking dudes. I'm like, I guess we're done benching because I'm going to play it safe. Notably, bench press is also my weakest lift, but regardless. <laughs> That's besides. The other things is also if... Also, if a character is receiving magical help in some way, magic in the real world is called steroids, but that's a yeah. different thing to worry about. So, then we have to think about how do we increase strength in real life? Because if we're trying to run some sort of simulationist, like, thing to run parallel to a D&D &D game, we do want to have it be have in some sort of realm of realism. Fortunately for you, I spent way too much time researching <laughs> this. There's also my bookshelf, which is populated exclusively by D&D books and exercise-related books. So, <clears throat> the, here's where I would note the following. 1 to 20 is the score that a character can naturally achieve. That's what it says in the books. You cannot increase this beyond certain, without magical means. And the things that I would exclude outside of that in the terms of magical means in real life would be genetics and steroids. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, it is your friendly neighborhood Macy here with a quick cut in about why steroids are bad. First of all, Travis wanted me to say that he does not advocate the use of steroids and wants me to point out the negative uses of them. One, Mere possession of anabolic steroids is illegal in the U.S. without appropriate prescription. Negative effects for men include breast development, painful erections, testicular shrinkage, decreased sperm count, infertility, impotency, and the inability to produce testosterone naturally. For women, they can deal with facial and body hair growth, uh, deep in voices, menstrual, menstrual irregularity, reduced breast size, various complications with pregnancy and sexual activity. Both will have to deal with acne, oily skin, jaundice, balding, tendon damage, heart attacks or enlargement of the heart, liver damage, high cholesterol, mood swings and rage, strokes and irregular or stunted growth if you're still in your teens. Taking them without knowing the risks is very dangerous. And back to the show. Also, there's a certain element of hard work that goes into it. Hard work is infinitely non-replaceable. However, the idea that someone's going to tell me, I've seen this post on forums that says, oh, Hofthor Bjornsson, who's a professional strongman, plays a mountain in Game of Thrones. I think he won the most recent Arnold Strongman Classic, and he's a multiple 
time winner of the World's Strongest Man competition. Hafthor Bjornsson does not have 20 strength. Hafthor Bjornsson has 30 strength. Because if you look in the definitions of the book, as far as their push, drag, lift, and all this other stuff, the idea that one of the things that they have is like, that, uh, oh, if you're, if you have 20 strength, you should be able to press this much weight over your head. Or like, you should be able to, one of the ones that I saw was deadlift your strength score times 30, which is 600 pounds. Hafthor Bjornsson, I believe at the Arnold Classic, deadlifted over a thousand pounds. I think it was a thousand and forty-seven pounds, I want to say. Yeah, that guy has more strength than 20. Yeah. Eddie Hall deadlifted 1,100 pounds once, 500 kilos. That's a lot of weight. <laughs> I don't think that's a good estimate of how to tell what your strength is. Because technically, it works off of the idea that they have in the book of push, drag, lift. If you're going to start a program, you need to know where you're at. So here, again, here are my quick and dirty rules for figuring out what your strength score is in real life. So the push, drag, lift, according to the, the player's handbook, would be the amount of weight divided by 30. Most I've ever done on a sled push is 1,085 pounds. That gives me a strength score of 36. I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. I like to think pretty highly of what I could do in the gym. I don't think that highly of it. I don't think that that's within the realms of like, yeah, like let's let's play a D and D game where we're based off of our own character. Our characters are based off of our real life scores. I would be totally down for that if someone's going to give me a thirty-six. I'll that take that. Fun, actually, I'll, I'll yeah, do that. Sounds so awesome. <laughs> I like. I would absolutely do that. Problem is, I don't think I can honestly say that I have thirty-six strength. I definitely do not have that much strength. So. I would say push drag, not so great. I would also consider for calisthenic movements, I would take the amount of push-ups and divide it by four, either four or five, probably. Uh, if you go by four, it gives me 18.75 pull-up total. I tested this the other day at the end of my workout. I did 19 pull-ups in a row, which would be 19 strength. Again, this is all very much to pad my own ego. Um, I would do deadlift divided by 25, which would give me... 17.8, I squat divided by 20, which gives me 16.75, bench press divided by 15, which gives me 18.33, which again, because bench press I know is my weakest lift, I don't think that's accurate, and overhead press divided by 10, which would give me 16.5, That the math on that one's a lot easier. But the problem with a lot of these is the standards by which you measure these exercises. I try to touch my chest to the ground on push-ups. And my squat depth is, this is a technical term in weightlifting, my squat depth is ass to grass, which means I get as low as I possibly can on mm -hmm. my squats. So because I'm going lower, I'm doing more range of motion, I can't do as much weight. So the short version is, you really can't tell what your strength score is in real life because strength in D&D &D is one number, when in reality, we think of there's different facets of strength such as for as far as your work capacity goes like your muscular endurance, hypertrophy, um, max out strength, power, again power being, again people misuse the word power all the time. Power is force applied over time. Which is, So Olympic weightlifting is an excellent depiction of power because they are lifting something very heavy very very quickly. A 
power lifter doing a bench press over the course of 10 seconds to do a single rep is not a good power display lifter. of power because he's lifting it very, very slowly. He's very much, in the, in the colloquial sense of the word, very, very powerful, but he's not being powerful, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is whether or not strength standards should include, the question in my mind is whether it should include gender or body weight, like factor in body weight and gender into how strong a character is, because there's a certain element of like, well, either you can lift it or you can't. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also the ideas of like, well, if, well, what about relative to body weight? Um, I believe there's one female powerlifter. Her name is Jen Thompson. She's, I think in her early forties, she weighs 130 pounds and she benches, I want to say 327 pounds, mm. which according to a factor or a way to determine strength called the Wilk score makes her, based on her age, gender, and weight, makes her the best bench presser in the world. Because she's benching, like, like over two and a half times her body weight. Yeah. That's a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. Especially for at her age, considering she also has a day job, too. That's incredible. Um, so, but the bottom line is, yeah, at some point, you need to find out where you start. If you remember when we I first started training you and Cameron, we did some baseline stuff. I mm -hmm. need to know where you're at before I make you do anything else. So then you need to kind of figure out what your goal is. I have a lot of goals. Some of them are stupid. Some of them are not as stupid. I want to deadlift 500 pounds. I think based off of some of the one rep max calculators and rep max outs I've done, I think it's well within possibility for me to do that. Um, I also want to be able to do other really silly things. I'd like to be able to do I'd like to be able to do a 5K in 22 minutes. That's the number I set for myself. How many miles is 5K? Uh, 3.1 miles. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of different goals that I have. And as far as like, you need to have a goal that at some point, like, you know, you need to have it be, here's the, here's your fun acronym that they tell you about in every single class. Whether Some of it's related to, like, I've heard this really used in architecture, definitely in fitness. Anytime you need to set a goal needs to be a quote unquote smart goal, wow. meaning it's specific. What is it? Measurable, you can measure it. Achievable, it's within the realm of possibility. Relevant, is this going to actually be helpful to you? And a, have a timetable. When do you want to achieve this by? So I would like to deadlift 500 pounds by the end of the year. That is specific. It's a deadlift. It's measurable. How close am I to 500 pounds? Is it achievable? Yes, based off of my last deadlift maximum and how I'm lifting right now. Um, just yesterday, I did 365 for a set of 13 on a deadlift, which is twice what I weigh right now. I weighed 179 pounds this morning. Mm -hmm. And it's relevant to what I want to do, which is just deadlifting. Mm -hmm. I have a timetable. I want to do it before 2020. I think it's doable, assuming I remain injury-free. But you have to ask yourself, how big is your goal? Losing 20 pounds is easy. Losing 100 pounds is not. So you need to adjust your goals thereafter. Mm -hmm. So I can't be like, I want to lose a hundred pounds in a month. Well, yeah, you could die. That's a good mm -hmm. way to lose a hundred pounds in a month. Cut off your arm. But if you're like, I want to lose like six pounds this month. There you go. That's achievable. Mm -hmm. That's a much smaller goal than like losing a hundred pounds. And you also need to ask yourself, have you failed or regressed before? 
Meaning, have you gained, have you lost weight and then regained it afterwards? One of the numbers that we throw around in exercise science that it's almost to the point where it's become like a clinical lore, like it's become a fabled number that we throw around is that I believe it's up to 95% of people who lose weight end up regaining it within a year. And then more people thereafter regain it even then. Mm -hmm. So basically, one of the numbers that I remember from school was 98% of people who start working out with the intention of losing weight at some point fail with the definition of failure, meaning returning to their starting weight. Mm -hmm. And it's typically people that try this alone. So you need to ask yourself, what do, you, what do I know about fitness? What do I know about this subject? If you don't know a whole lot, well, then guess what? Things are going to be hard just because you don't know stuff. And it's not bad that you don't know things. You just don't happen to know them at the time. Mm -hmm. Like if I told you, I'm going to write a play. And then you went to Becca and you're like, this motherfucker's going to write a play. <laughs> this asshole doesn't know the first thing about writing a play. Sure, he watches a lot of live theater, technically, but he doesn't know a whole lot. And it's not bad that I don't know a whole lot. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. But if I was going to write a play, I would probably tweet at Becca, who I do you know who Finn Balor is? But then I would tweet at her asking advice. I want to make that a running joke. I'm going to try as hard as I can. Noted. Don't cut that out. Leave that in. Becca, I will find out why you know who that is. Anyways, if you just don't know, you don't know. There's nothing wrong with not happening to have known a thing. So where does help come from? Here's the important thing that I say about anyone looking to get into fitness and where you get information from is that being hot is not a qualification. <laughs> Just because you look at someone and they're like, wow, that person's in really good shape. I want to look like them. They might have just been born shaped like that mm -hmm. because you know, those people that can just kind of eat whatever they want. They're always, they've always been skinny uh -huh. and they're just like, Oh, you know, I do whatever. I touch an elliptical and I lose 10 pounds. Like that person doesn't know a whole lot about fitness. They just won a, they just won a lottery that they didn't know they, they were playing as far as just having the genetics and the metabolism to allow them to do that. So, and also if you go on, Instagram and YouTube and you're like, gee, I need a hot person to teach me how to be hot. And you look up some loser and they're like, hi, my name is so-and-so. Here's how to get elbow tendonitis because I don't know a damn thing about how to use kettlebells. Then you, you're gonna, you're gonna have a bad time. You're gonna, you're gonna get gonna be, elbow tendonitis. Yeah, you're gonna get elbow tendonitis. You're gonna be one of those 95% of people that fail and regain the weight. So here are my do's is that the fitness do's and do nots for finding help is do be willing to invest time in both activity and research. One, you got to work out, but two, you've got to do the research. If I look up, one of the things that I tell people is that if you're not willing to pay me to teach you how to squat, go online, Google how to, how to barbell back squat and watch and like take the first 10 results that you see, watch all of them. Do they all say the same thing? If they all say the same thing, then you're probably set. If there's one that's like, don't go below parallel, it's bad for your knees. That person doesn't know anything because there's actual people who went to college and did the research and found out all these different things about how to do a thing. 
and we got together separately somehow and uploaded the same exact video to YouTube on how to do a barbell back squat. So, and also you need to understand that expertise has its cost. There are very few times in which I am ever willing to work for free. So I will train my parents for free and I will train people as a gift for free in so much that I need the per I also only give it to give it to people that understand the weight of what I am giving to them and also that you go to the back of the line. Everyone else that pays me, I'm going to do their stuff first before I do your stuff as far as writing your workouts and all this other other stuff about helping you figure out your nutrition, blah 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 blah. The do nots is do not ask people to work for free. Don't go to an artist's Instagram and be like, I really like your work. Would you be willing to draw my D&D character? I can pay you an exposure. Yeah, you're an asshole. <laughs> Don't do that to people. Much of the, Now, admittedly, I'm not like painting the Mona Lisa here. I'm putting together, I'm putting words together and then a number, then an X, then a number, and then another number, and then other really silly descriptions as what you're supposed to do is like, I'm not doing something that is on that same level in my opinion, but I am doing work. Like I put yeah. in time to build my skill set and work my craft. So don't ask people to work for free. I wouldn't go to you and be like, Macy, hey, I have an audition for a show that I know literally nothing about. Can you do literally all of the work for me? And also... I don't want to actually audition. Can you do the audition for me mm -hmm. and just pretend to be a five foot seven Korean American man? Yeah. Like, can you just do that? Like, no, you can't ask people to work for free. Because basically, that's as ridiculous as it sounds to me when people are like, hey, can you just write up a couple workouts for me? And I'm like, no. I can't just write up a couple workouts for you. There's some asshole on Google that's already done that for free. Just go look that one up. Just don't ask people to work for free. It's simple as that. Be yeah. willing to be willing to watch the 30-second ad before the video and move on with your life. Do not accept the first thing that you hear from someone that you don't know. Meaning, going back, when you Google something, look at the first 10 results. Do they all say the same thing? If you just pick the first one and it's this, this same asshole teaching you how to get elbow tendonitis, there's a I doubt there's anyone listening to this video, this podcast right now that's like, I know what video he's referencing. There's a very specific video that I'm thinking of that a number of people picked apart on YouTube of a dude doing kettlebell cleans very, very poorly, teaching people how to get elbow tendonitis, basically. But you can't just accept the first one because, like, oh, this is the first one. It has to be the best. Like, no, this person just used keywords better than everyone else. Yeah. It means they understand YouTube algorithms and search engine algorithms better than this other person understands how to do a kettlebell clean. And the last do not is do not follow your fit friend around. Your friend that's in shape and you're like, hey, can I just follow you around and do the same things you do? No. Because if you came to me, and that's on Monday, and you're like, hey, Travis, can I just follow you around and do the same workout as you? I'm like, okay, sure. I'll be at the gym at this time. We're going to do squats at this time. Then we're going to do bench press at this other time four hours later in the day. And then we're going to do some stuff with this other crap that you also hate. And you're like, wait a minute, that's three separate things. I'm like, I know, but that's what I do. You can't just follow your in-shape friends around. Their workouts are designed with them in mind. They're not mm -hmm. designed for you. So they might, they, they're in, it's, it'd be ideal if you could just do that because they're your friends. They're probably willing to help you because that's yeah. what friends do. 
But you can't ask your monstrously in shape friend. If I'm best friends with Chris Evans, I'm not going to ask Chris Evans to take me through his Captain America workout because yeah. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> so you can't just ask that of your normal friends that are in shape. So then, so the short version, again, of all of this, there's a short version to everything, is that you need to be willing, in some cases, you might have to suck it up and spend some money. Mm-hmm. And there's people that are like, well, I'm not sure if spending money on my health is worth it. And I'm like, think about what mm-hmm. you just said. Yeah. It's your body. Yeah, sure, you can just kind of not work out, sit all day and down cheeseburgers and die when you're 55. Or you can just suck it up and spend the money where you need it. Get your gym membership. For some people, that's all they need. But they there's it's worth looking into personal training and group exercise. Whether or not the group exercise comes from like, like whether it's Jazzercise, Zumba, or CrossFit or whatever, it's worth looking into a group. It's worth looking into personal training. With the added caveats that I always tell people is that again, don't you, being hot is not a qualification. Mm-hmm. You need to know have other people have, have other people worked with this trainer or these trainers in this group exercise format or personal training format, have they done this and had results? Is this person an asshole? This might shock and surprise some of our listeners, but I have an abrasive personality on occasion. What? So I have a very unique style of training in which I do not feed anyone lines of bullshit, which some people really don't want to hear. Here's one thing I hear all the time. It's like, I want to work on this. And they always gesture at their stomach, implying that they want to be less fat. I'm like, great. Eat your vegetables. Stop eating your junk food. Do your cardio. We're going to work. Now mm-hmm. we're going to do the thing that we actually were going to do today. And they're like, but but my stomach. And I'm like, you can't do sit-ups to make your stomach smaller. Technically, it does the opposite thing because you're trying to build muscle mass on the area doing an abdominal exercise. Now, Let's move on. Or like people are like, they'd ask me a thing. They know what they want to hear. I'm not going to tell them that. Yeah. Because people are paying money for me to teach them the right things. They are not paying money for me to deliberately lie to them. Mm-hmm. Which to some people, it's not fun to hear. I was like, wow, this is really hard. Can we make it easier? No. That defeats the purpose of the exercise. This is supposed to be hard. Nobody likes doing push-ups. Yet here we are. Mm-hmm. Because... The Greeks and the Mongols and every other strong military force on the entire planet has done fucking push-ups since the dawn of man. So we're going to do them too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I'm not going to feed people lines of bullshit that they don't need. The, the, the major thing is that whatever it is that you choose to do, you have to stay consistent. There is no secret. You have to keep showing up. And you'll listen to these actors, you can go online, you can listen to actors talk about how, oh, I went off my diet after the movie and it just all went to shit, and then the next movie, it was just so hard to get in shape for. It's like, yeah, it's easier if you just stay in shape the entire time. Mm -hmm. It's easier to stay at a baseline level of being in pretty good shape, and then just stay consistent your entire life, because if you get used to, I honestly cannot imagine not setting aside at least an hour every day to work out, because it's so ingrained in me that it's just super easy for me to do that. Mm -hmm. I never don't have the time or I never not have the time to work out so it's just always a thing but if you're willing to put in the time it's going to happen my when I was growing up my dad used to work 90 hours a week on a night shift and he would still lift weights for an hour every day and people were like oh I don't have time I'm like nah you have the time 
I'll just go, like, he'll just work out in the home gym at home, and I'll go talk to Dad and be like, hey, Dad, what's up? And he'll be over there doing, like, cable flies or something. And I was like, oh, hi, son, how's it going? My dad doesn't sound that cheerful. But the thing <laughs> is, the thing is, he was there, in there, working hard, staying consistent. And when it comes down to these Hollywood physiques that we, a lot of people want to get to, Hollywood actors often have a big teams of trainers, dietitians, and drug dealers to help them keep their physiques. If you want to, if you look at an actor and be like, wow, how'd they put on 40 pounds in two months of solid muscle? Um, stenazolone, trenbolone, other anabolic steroids. Like, they're not just saying their prayers and eating their vitamins like Hulk Hogan told them to. They're probably roiding up and working out like multiple times a day and some of them have personal chefs. It's just, it's, it sucks mm -hmm. to think like, I'm never going to look that good because this guy's drugged up. And I was like, well, yeah, but these guys are also more often than not. A lot of them are also going off of their workout schedules when they're not doing this kind of stuff or they build it up slowly over time. So again, here's the short version. You need to stay consistent. You yeah. got to keep showing up to the gym. It's the hardest part, but it's the thing that you have to do. So then there's a question of, okay, now that we've had this very unmotivational discussion on like what we have to do to increase our strength, what are the actual things? And here's, again, the basic rundown. If you want to know more about this, go to college and major in kinesiology. So, but this is what we're going to do in like hopefully a couple of minutes. You need, again, like I said earlier, nutrition, stimulus, stimulus meaning exercise, and rest. Nutrition is the hardest part. An active body requires fuel. And if you're trying to lose weight, you need to create some form of calorie deficit or a calorie surplus if you're trying to gain weight. Most nutritional labels in the United States are based off of a 2,000 calorie diet. So you need to adjust. You can't just be like, oh, this is the percentage that I need to eat in a day. It's like, no, you got to know where you need to be at. And it's also worth pointing out the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. Any random person can call themselves a nutritionist because it is not a protected legal term. There are nutrition certifications that lend them more credentials, but a nutritionist isn't really a protected legal term, much in the same way that, technically speaking, a personal trainer isn't a protected legal term either. There are more protections for personal trainers because there are certifications and degrees that allow us to more easily achieve things like better insurance rates on personal training insurance and stuff like that. But if you can go online, and I'm going to specifically call out a motherfucker right here, you can't, you're just going to go out and call yourself, I'm a Hollywood physique expert. That's not a real thing. Mm -hmm. That's not a real thing. Again, there's that one other person, it's me, that's listening to this episode later after yeah. the fact that knows what shit lord I'm calling out. But you can't just call it, I'm a this. I'm like, that's not a thing. That's not real. A registered dietitian is a protected legal term. You have to take a test and then be placed, and then you are placed on a board of registered dietitians, which means that you are empowered to prescribe food like a doctor prescribes drugs or I, as a qualified trainer, prescribe exercise. So here are the basics of macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, fats. Proteins make up one gram of protein gives you four calories of energy, and it's important for muscle protein synthesis. So as far as visualizing food, four ounces of boneless, skinless chicken breast is about 100 calories and 22 grams of proteins. 
Two eggs is about 150 calories for 12 grams of protein. About a half a cup of chickpeas is 6 grams of protein for 100 calories. So there's a lot of different things. The short version is it is easier to get in your protein when you can eat meat. That doesn't, it's not to mean to say it's not possible. Here's some anecdotal evidence, which is every scientist's favorite kind of evidence, which means it's not really evidence. But Clarence Kennedy is an Irish Olympic weightlifter who is completely 100% vegan. He eats 130 grams of protein per day, and he also can squat 600 pounds on a pause squat. No belt, no wraps, no nothing. Just him, a pair of shorts, and a t-shirt, and a barbell and a lot of vegetables. Okay, so you can absolutely be a strong as shit vegan. Mm -hmm. It can absolutely be done. You just have to do a little bit more work maybe. So the typical recommendation is about 0 0.36 grams per pound of body weight, which if I'm, for me, as a 180 pound male roughly, that's about 65 grams of protein. That's the typical American RDA, recommend daily um, allowance as far as the amount that you need and it typically is about 10 to 35 percent of your calories for most people and it's more for athletes and it's worth pointing out consuming too much protein can kill you because your kidneys filter out all of your excess protein so any more than three grams per kilogram side note I use the metric system because I went to college and so <laughs> That's where all the rest of the research on the planet is. It's in the, it's in metrics. So I to break this down, more than three grams per kilogram or one point four grams per pound of body weight, like can lead to unhealthy results like kidney failure and renal damage and stuff like that. So you might think, wow, is this really is it really easy to cross this threshold of danger? And I'm like, no, it's hard as hell. So let's go back to our boneless, skinless chicken breast for a second. Obviously it's on the computer screen next to me, but if you don't look at it, how yeah. many, yeah, like we're not gonna make you guess. For me, again, in order for me to consume like that Fingers much protein, yeah. it's three pounds of chicken. Three pounds of chicken to get that many grams of protein in. So it's very hard to get to a dangerous level of protein consumption. The other side note is that athletes tend to drink more water than most people throughout the day, and that helps flush excess urea, which is a byproduct of protein synthesis in your urine, and also increase protein metabolism. So you're typically drinking more water, so that also helps abate that fear. But for the most part, any ex like once you get past your body weight in grams of protein, it's there's a pretty good chance that that's just going out your this just going into your kid your kidneys out your out your urethra into your urine stream and down into the toilet. It makes your urine more expensive, and no one wants to buy urine, so it's a pretty worthless investment unless you live next to Bear Grylls. So then we talk, then we move to carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are four calories per gram. And those are important for glucose and brain function. They're the one of the easiest sources of energy for your body to take in. Lots of people are scared to death of carbs. Like, oh, if I eat too many carbs, I get fat. I'm like, well, you're eating too many processed carbs. So here's our 
Here are, there are three things that I have written down here that are 100 calories a piece. 25 strawberries, a pound of spinach, or nine generic potato chips. First of all, who do you know that goes to gets a bag of Lay's, pulls out nine potato chips, and is like, ah, good enough? No. Nobody! No one does that! So the typical RDA, recommend daily, uh, daily allowance for carbohydrates, this is typically a number that you want to at least hit this much of, is 130 grams. Because your brain only functions off of glucose, which is a carbohydrate-based energy. If you cons don't consume enough, uh, enough carbs throughout the day and you're not fueling your brain with enough glucose, you will, again, you will experience headaches, you'll be irritable. You can look more up on the internet about how carbs affect brain function. The short version is you typically want to get at probably at least 100 grams of carbs a day, which means that most people are like, oh, but my, my keto diet. I'm like, shut up. It's like three bananas. As long as you're eating fruits and vegetables, you're probably going to get to that 100 grams of carbs. It's only 400 calories worth of energy. It's super easy to hit, mm -hmm. unlike the three pounds of chicken that'll kill you in the previous examples. So then again, going back to the potato chips, when you think about how much something is processed, nine potato chips or a small baked potato because of the presence of fats. So here's where we transition into the fun of fats. Fat is your storage fuel. It also helps with hormone function. You might guess at this point, you can't really avoid any of these. They're all important. So, 100 calorie examples. A tablespoon of butter. A tablespoon of peanut butter. An ounce of cheese. Those are all about 100 calories. So, the amount of, amount of fats I would have in my diet or in a diet for a client would just kind of depend on where everything else falls. How much strength do they want to build determines how much protein they need, how well they respond to carbs versus fats. It's just sort of a thing where you just kind of have to figure out who responds best to what things. I tend to respond well with moderate in everything, which mm -hmm. is easy to get moderate in everything. So all of these recommendations are based on personal differences. Like some of the percentages are like fat proteins should be 10 to 35%. Carbs are 45 to 65%. Fats are 20 to 35%. All these just kind of depend on a person. There's a lot of personal differences. So as far as losing weight or gaining weight is concerned, you get all these macros together. They add up to your calories. And the magic number for calories is 3,500. That is the amount of calories in a pound of body weight going in either direction to either build a pound of muscle or burn a pound of fat. So if I want to lose weight, I need to create that much of an energy deficit. Meaning if I want to lose a pound a week, I need to figure out what my energy consumption is, eat 500 calories a day less than that by means of, again, eating less or exercising more to create that caloric deficit. And then I will lose, lose or gain weight as I eat more or eat less, depending on what it is I'm trying to do. So this is the idea of calories in, calories out. People have tried to find ways to gamify how to get around it. You really can't. It's a lot of it comes down to calories. So the short, the short version on the type of diet plan you should have is that you should eat food made out of food, <laughs> lean meats, fruits, vegetables, whole grains. And there are obvious exceptions for people 
with dietary restrictions. Because if I can't eat sugar, eggs, dairy, or gluten, that eliminates some of the things that I might normally recommend to some people. Yeah. Like, literally milk <laughs> and literally eggs. Like, or, like, for some people, like, certain types of things that contain gluten. It's not always a smart idea for people that are allergic to gluten or gluten intolerant to eat gluten, obviously. So it just kind of depends on the person. The thing that I would say is that if we're trying to build ourselves to be an adventurer, fantasy characters do not have access to a cannery. Mm -hmm. They do not... Like, they typically don't eat processed foods unless you're playing, like, Shadowrun or some shit and you're in Neo-Tokyo eating, like, canned pizza and ramen or some weird shit Gross. like that. So, here's a note that I would give to people on rations in for a character. Like, when you play D&D &D and you're using survival rules, you typically want to eat one ration per day, so on and so forth. That's the rules that are in the book. The closest, the closest simulacrum to a ration in D&D to real life is an MRE from, or a meal ready to eat, which is three lies in one. It's not a meal. It's never ready. You can't eat it. There's your military joke for the day. But an <laughs> MRE from the U.S. military typically has um, 1,250 calories per MRE, assuming you eat everything in it. And it's... And the nutrition is built under the assumption that a soldier eats three of them per day, which is 3,750 calories. And most people are like, Travis, that sounds like a lot. I'm like, yeah, it probably is. However, you're probably not rucking 20 miles a day and then fighting to the death. So I don't think you're burning as many calories as an adventurer slash soldier. The other thing I would note is that if you look at the macronutrient spread on an MRE, it keeps them relatively low protein consumption, relatively high fat and carb consumption. Because again, you, you, there comes a point where overconsuming on protein becomes pointless. So I'm not going to talk about the macros for that because you can look that up. That's on the internet. So here's a quick note on fad diets and why they don't work. All successful fad, I'm doing air quotes right now. This is an audio podcast. <laughs> All successful fad diets rely on calorie restriction in some way, shape, or form. The two popular ones right now are intermittent fasting and keto. And whenever someone with who does intermittent fasting tells me, well, if I eat 2,000 calorie meals or three 750 calorie meals, where am I eating more calories? And I'm like, congratulations, you can do math. I'm very proud of you. However... I could just as easily do two 700-calorie meals and one 600-calorie meal and still be just fine. Guess what? Those both add up to 2,000. Your two 1,000-calorie meals and my seven, two 700 and one 600. I would say if you don't feel hungry in the morning, you don't have to eat. You don't have to. Intermittent fasting kind of depends on the person. However, I don't think there's enough research to either prove or disprove the idea of eating breakfast, intermittent fasting, whatever it is. I do know that intermittent fasting tends to be extremely non-conducive for strength building, in my experience. I can't think of a single really high-level powerlifter or strongman that I've seen on the internet that is louding intermittent fasting as the number one way to build their strength. And I don't mean that strong guy at the gym that, you know, deadlifts this much weight. He's like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm so strong. I intermittent fast. Versus I'm talking about like actual professional athletes. 
Four-time world's strongest man, Brian Shaw, does not intermittent fast. Because mm-hmm. you do not, because if you want to deadlift a thousand pounds, you're not intermittent fasting. If you want to push the wheel of pain at the Arnold Strongman Classic, you're not intermittent fasting. If you want to lose a little bit of weight and you're not hungry in the morning when you wake up, guess what? You could probably intermittent fast and be just fine. However, it is not a magical be-all, end-all for how to diet. So, my basically, I'm kind of neutral on intermittent fasting. I am not neutral on keto, though. I am very anti-keto. Keto, the keto diet relies on ketosis. Ketosis is the state at which your body is burning fats for energy and produces a byproduct called ketones. The problem with that is an overabundance of ketones in your bloodstream can raise the acidity of your blood, which can lead to dehydration, loss of lean body mass, tissue damage, comas, and death. You can die from keto. And most people are like, it doesn't happen super often. Like, yeah, well, people don't get T-boned by semi-trucks very often either. It doesn't mean I'm not afraid of it happening to Mm -hmm. me every once in a while. That's not to say that ketosis is bad. Ketosis is simply a state in which your body has stopped using carbohydrates and started using fat cells for energy. Maintaining a constant state of ketosis, though, can be dangerous. So you can look up more of this on the internet as far as why keto can be good for people and why keto can be bad. The people that do keto successfully are typically eating enough fruits and vegetables to help sustain brain function. Mm -hmm. So they're not in this constant state of ketosis. So they're still losing weight relatively effectively. And surprise, fats aren't evil. You can get along just fine by eating some fats and and you can feel, feel perfectly satiated from that and be just fine. It all depends on the person, but this idea that I'm going to eat like less than 20 grams of carbs a day, I'm going to eat like what? I'm going to eat three potato chips worth of carbs? No, it's not, it's not sustainable. It can't be done. And it can't really be done sustainably. The main thing with most fad diets that makes them flawed is that they're not very sustainable and they, most people invariably regain their weight. And when it comes to the idea of exercise, surprise, it all depends. You have to stay consistent. The ACSM, American College of Sports Medicine, recommends 150 minutes or 75 minutes of moderate or vigorous intensity exercise, respectively. Resistance training, every muscle group twice a week, flexibility twice a week, balance work twice a week, neuromotor exercise or functional fitness twice a week. And also, things get harder as you specialize. We talked about diminishing returns earlier. The notes that I would say for people wanting to be adventurers is that machines do not promote functional strength. Remember, your D&D character, they didn't have processed foods. They didn't have selectorizer machines either. So not always a great choice. And I have my own gripes with machines, but we'll not worry about that right now because eventually you've got to go home, I imagine. Yeah. So the other thing I would say (laughs) is that compound exercises over isolation exercises when it comes to exercise selection. Compound meaning that you use more than one joint at a time. A bench press is a compound movement because I'm using the shoulder and the elbow joint. A tricep extension is an isolation movement because I'm just extending through the elbow. So, and when it comes to rest, this one's a lot easier. Sleep seven to nine hours a day. Um, Don't do a lot of coke. That's probably bad for you. Don't do a lot of meth either. Basically, you know, if at extreme levels, myofascial release, alternating ice and heat, lots of stretching, um, 
eating digestible foods, drinking a lot of a lot of water, active recovery. But if you're at a level where you need to know those things, you probably already know them. Short version is take care of yourself. It's not that hard. Mm -hmm. Again, if you're willing to set aside all the time that you spend drinking and partying, you might be able to get those seven to nine hours of sleep rather than when in college we used to one up each other on how little sleep we got each day. So here are, here's the fun part that I imagine people have listened through this entire time is the example programs. Woo! I know. So here's an example program for someone with a negative strength score. Me. Yes, to a certain extent. Well, yeah, I think you've moved into a 10, like a 9 or a 10 by this point. So, I would tell people 20 minutes of strength training of a full body workout two to three times per week. Every workout, you want to start with a five-minute warm-up, and then at some point, you want to do a leg, a push, a pull, and a core exercise. Leg exercises being like chair squats or suspension squats, high start deadlifts, box suspension lun- box or suspension lunges, these are things that just the idea of using a suspension trainer or a box to limit or protect your bot, uh, limit your range of motion or protect you if there's a risk of falling. Um, for pushing, wall push-ups, overhead pressing, machine chest presses, and extreme circumstances, I very rarely, I very rarely use machines when I train people. Mostly because here's the thing about machines: they have written instructions and pictures on them most of the time. If you manage to drive to the gym you can probably figure out the machines. If you manage to walk to the gym and you notice the stop signs and walk signs on the way there, you could probably figure out the machines. And then pulling, lat pull downs, cable rows, deadlifts focusing on a hip hinge movement pattern. That's a more complicated topic, the subject of a hip hinge. That's an hour-long podcast in and of itself. We'll not worry about that right now. Core, core work can be planks, pal-off presses. You can Google those. I also call them stabilized wood chops, but basically an oblique and a rectus abdominis exercise. Rectus abdominis being your abdominals along the front, obliques are the abdominals on the sides. There you go. And then cardio, and for the sets and reps, two to four sets of each exercise, eight to 20 repetitions of each exercise. And I would tell people superset, giant set, and circuit where possible in order to save time. That's ripped straight from the ACSM guidelines for exercise. Not necessarily on their exercise selections, but using every major muscle group, mm-hmm. doing their set and rep range. And I would tell people cardio 20 to 30 minutes every single day at a low intensity if you can do it. For extreme cases of weight loss, 30 minutes to an hour twice a day. Because there's a certain point where if you are morbidly obese and you're afraid to start, remember, the key is consistency over a long period of time. You should start now. There's nothing holding you back. You should start now, get healthy now, so that you will be healthier sooner. Because you have to chip away or slowly build your experience points. This is a D&D podcast. You slowly build up <laughs> over time and slowly lose weight over time. You, it's one of those things that, like, you... In some cases, though, when, I, when there's a drastic need for weight loss for health reasons, I will tell people, I want you to do cardio an hour at a time twice a day, sometimes three times a day, and even more extreme circumstances. You can go on TV and watch My 600 Pound Life, and the doctor on that show will tell people, like, Bro, our trainers are going to, our physical therapists are going to give you a workout that's an hour long to do twice a day. Like, yeah, you need to do these kinds of things if you need to create an extreme calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. So 
Here's the example program for dose strength modifiers. This will sound very familiar to you, Macy. 25, uh, 25 to 35 minutes of strength training on an upper lower split, working out three to four times per week. Again, always warm up, lower body exercises like squats, deadlifts, lunges, Romanian deadlifts, Bulgarian split squats, and then various ab exercises in between. And then upper body work is mostly at some point doing a horizontal pull, horizontal push, vertical pull, vertical push. And you, again, because you're doing things in a specific way where you're alternate at like push and pull exercises or a leg and an ab exercise allows you to superset or giant set everything. And then if we can, add in more active rest. If, and again, when I'm trying to have people lose a lot of weight, I just keep them moving the entire time. Sometimes doing a modified jumping jack or a jump rope if they like jump rope, um, battle ropes, kettlebell swings, so on and so forth. Um, if they like boxing, I'll have them shadow box or they like martial arts. The side note is that you look like a fucking idiot when you're Hell shadow yeah. boxing in a normal gym, but I don't care. I'm, I'm at the point of my life where I don't care what I look like when I work out. And then I typically focus on rep ranges around five sets of five or four sets of eight plus repetitions, eight or more repetitions on an extra, on an accessory exercise. I typically build things on the idea of I have a main lift and then accessory lifts that build around that main exercise. But that's something that you would have to send me money for if you want me to explain more on. <laughs> then cardio again, I would say 25 to 30 minutes every day if possible at a moderate intensity. You're no longer at low intensities, you're at moderate intensities, which means biking, um, fast walking or slow jogging, elliptical, so on and so forth. Something that's actually going to quote unquote burn more calories, but something that's harder to maintain for a longer period of time. And then the basic program for people with a plus one to plus two modifier I would have those people going 35 to 50 minutes of lifting weights on an upper lower split or a push pull leg split four to six days per week. Everything here is basically the same as before, but just more of it, more of it, more weight, more reps, more, whatever it is, just trying to find the next evolution of each exercise. And then just so people understand push pull legs is the idea. I do push this day, meaning like chest, shoulders, triceps, back pull, which is your lats, your biceps, uh, lower trapezius, all these other muscles that function in pulling things closer to your body and legs, which is all things about your legs. So the other side note is that whenever I do spinally loading exercises like a back squat or a deadlift, I don't like pairing those with other things just because it's important that if you're going to load your spine, which is a big stack of joints on top of each other, there's a lot of moving parts. You want to be safe as, as safe as you can with a few notable exceptions, like if I have someone in a spinally loading sport that also needs to maintain a certain level of activity and athletic specificity, I will include those in some way, shape, or form paired with other exercises, but it all kinds of depends. And then cardio, you have options of similar to before, which is long, slow, steady state, like jogging, biking, whatever, or high intensity interval training. I like doing both. I think it's important to do both. You get different physiological adaptations from high intensity intervals than you get from long, slow, steady state cardio. So I think it's important to do both. And then the program that I, then eventually there comes a point where you need to do a lot more as far as training. I work out as far as strength programs for people with plus three or above modifiers. I work out two to three times per day for about an hour at a time, sometimes more. 
So, and I try to do some form of cardio conditioning or flexibility every single day. Monday is anterior chain, Tuesday's posterior chain, and then I do flexibility, injury prevention, and high intensity stuff on, and conditioning stuff on Wednesdays, and then I repeat that for the next three days, and event, and it basically, like a basic day, like on Monday, tomorrow, I'm doing heavy squat, heavy back squats, front squats, and then some other stuff for my leg work, and then a few hours later, I'm going to do heavy bench press, overhead press, and then some other stuff, and then I'm doing my condi- some conditioning work, which means I'm probably going to spend 20 minutes suffering on the battle ropes. So, and then some other stuff, but it's going to be, it's a lot of stuff. And then like the, just yesterday I went, I hung out with a friend and we lifted weights. We did, we did back for two and a half hours. Oh my gosh. It was a lot of fun. Um, sometimes it's important to spend times with your bros and lift the weights and bro it up super hard. (laughs) But and like the, the, believe it or not, the working out is the easiest part for the, for basically all of these. Mm-hmm. The hardest part is the nutrition. Notably, it's a lot easier for me to cut. I have the mental fortitude to just be hungry for a little while. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me that much. I can t- do something to take my mind off of it. Sometimes if I'm hungry and I need to take my mind off of how hungry I am, I literally just go on a run because... You are, when you go, when you exercise, you're forcing your body to undergo a fight or flight response in which your body shuts down certain receptors so it can focus on quote unquote surviving. So technically your body thinks it's fighting to the death, whatever you work out, but that's besides the point. (laughs) But what that does do is it shuts off my hunger receptors. So I don't feel hungry for a little while. And I also just burn some calories. So if it hits me real, if it hits me like a back truck later that I'm hungry, well, at least I went running, I guess. But the eating is the hardest part. When I'm trying to cut weight, I'm, I eat about 3,000 calories a day when I'm trying to lose weight. And I'll lose typically like maybe a pound and a half a week on that. Which most people are like, that sounds like it's not very fair. How are you eating so much and losing weight? Yep. Yeah, I know. Well, it's because I'm working out two or three times mm-hmm. a day. I work out more times in a day than most people do in a week. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm building on, I'm getting all that activity in the, when I'm trying to gain weight is when it becomes really, really hard. So I went and I found in my fitness pal, I found some, I found a log that I did when I was in college as far as like when I was trying to gain weight then. And the side note is I didn't actually gain any weight eating this much. So I was still maintaining such a high level of activity and also when you're 20 years old, you have a really fat, I have a, I have a really, really fast metabolism. And this is going to start out like, wow, this is going to start out sounding kind of fun. And then it's going to be like, this sounds like a lot of work because it is a lot of work. So I would start, I, when I bulk, I typically eat about six or 7,000 calories a day and it becomes a chore once breakfast is over. I start the day, I eat three eggs with a fried, uh, scrambled with butter and spinach. And that's about, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about totaling the cap. Like that's about 315 calories. We'll total, I won't total up each individual thing. That's my quote unquote pre-breakfast. That's because scrambled eggs are really, really quick to cook. And I'm going to eat that while I'm making the rest of my breakfast, which is three more eggs fried in, fried in butter and four cups of hash browns fried in about three tablespoons of olive oil three sausage patties, 12 ounces of skim milk, 
and some toast. I don't butter the toast because I'm already getting enough as it is, at least apparently because I wasn't getting weight, I probably should have buttered the toast looking back at it. That's about 1,600 calories or about 1,900 calories if you include the pre-breakfast. That's what most people eat in a day. Mm-hmm. And then I have a snack. I have a banana and some Greek yogurt. I eat full fat yogurt because I'm not afraid of fat. And also I need the calories. That's only like 250 calories. That's not a big deal. Lunch, I, I found, apparently, I made homemade chili that day, and I had cornbread with butter on it and a glass of milk. That all totaled up to about 1,820 calories. It was a good homemade chili, though. Apparently, I put a lot of bacon in it. Then I had a snack at about 3 o'clock. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with four tablespoons of peanut butter, two tablespoons of jam, and a glass of milk. That was, that was about 800 and some odd calories. Dinner was three cups of rice, like three to four cups of rice, a half a pound of chicken, and then an unreasonable amount of Brussels sprouts fried in uh, bacon fat with the bacon included. And then I had ice cream before I went to bed. All told, on that day, I had 5,985 calories total. That's really hard to eat all that. If you want a good example, and the difference is... I ate some garbage, too. I realistically don't need that much extra fats. Like the butter itself, fats, like olive oil and butter are the easiest way to get in extra calories, but there's always the concern of cholesterol. And for, what I, for the amount of activity I had and the fact that I was 20, it was definitely a lot easier on my body than it would be now that I'm like five years older. However, if you want a good example of a terrifying meal plan go on youtube and look up brian shaw and his and one of his full days of eating and he's typically doing about ten thousand calories a day and he's eating pretty much like rice and meat and really not a whole lot else like it's literally just like rice and a pound of meat for breakfast or like or like and eggs because you got to have eggs in the morning mm-hmm. um, except for you you yeah. can't have eggs and then later he had like two hours later he has like four cups of rice and a pound of meat and another two hours later he has four more cups of rice and a pound of meat and then a few hours later he has like two sweet potatoes and a pound of meat and then like another couple hours later he has you know more rice and another pound of meat so he's typically doing around Guys like that, at a really, really high level, like, he's typically doing about five or six pounds of meat, or like two and a half to three kilos of meat for our European friends. Like, he's eating a lot of food. But the difference is, he's not eating garbage like I could do in college. Like, the other day, like, if I go to Mod Pizza and I wanted to bulk, I would ask for literally everything. And then I would get a milkshake. The milkshakes there are like 900 calories, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to bulk. I'm okay with eating 3,000 calories in one sitting. I when uh, The other thing that I used to do in college on to sub out a meal is I would go to whatever fast food restaurant like Wendy's or McDonald's or whatever. I would look at their dollar menu and I would get eight of a sandwich. I would get like eight, chick- eight fried chicken sandwiches from their dollar menu and then I would get some fries because I'm going to eat some potato. I need, I need my carbs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, would, then I would get, like, if it was Wendy's, I would get a Frosty. And then I would eat all of those. And I got to tell you, 
when you're if you can keep up with enough of activity level, those first six sandwiches are kind of fun. Last two, not so much, but I ordered them and I want to get bigger, so I'm gonna eat them. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm not training for no reason. I'm training to fist fight Becca at your wedding. Yeah. So I would I would like to extend the offer to Becca because let's because I will probably I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be really confident, I'm gonna crush her in the elections that we will hold on February thirtieth, twenty twenty. Okay. So I I will challenge her to single combat, and I'm so confident. I will tie one of my hands behind my back at the same time, too. Like, I will fight her with one hand. And I, I, I dare She said, fight me IRL. And I said, sure. I'm saying sure. Oh, I, gosh. Becca Morgan, I accept your challenge. October 6th. October 6th. Somewhere we'll in Portland. A, somewhere. Undisclosed <laughs> somewhere location. Undisclosed location. I will. I will. I guess on October seventh, I'll tweet out the results. I will. I will fist fight Becca. Or no, uh, I'll have whoever is the survivor. Okay, let's. Becca's gonna die. She's gonna die. It's gonna be real sad. No. I like October sixth is the wedding. October seventh is the funeral. All right. Let's oh no. Let's. Do I'll this. be gone. Yeah. Well, I would hope so. Don't worry. It'll be fine. I'll take care of everything. I'll be the new president of the That's podcast, so it'll all be yeah. taken care of. Oh, no. God, I'm going to have to edit it then. Hey, so if I'm the president, that would make me your boss, right? Can you edit the podcast? No. Oh, well, you will. No, leave. Becca's the president right now, and she still edits it. So well, that's the president's job. Well, she's moving to sec person of editing. I, so what? funeral's canceled. <laughs> Not killing Becca. Oh no! Okay. Just gonna just just the fist just fight. Just gonna fist fight her. Okay. Just gonna fist fight her. Um, I think that's all that needs to be done. Yeah. <laughs> this is stupid. Yeah, this, this is, is a, a good end. This is the dumbest thing end. ever. You know, you know what? You know what's not dumb? What's not dumb? Josh Wildhorn and his music. <laughs> <laughs> Such a flawless transition, Travis. I know. Maybe you should be the president. No, there's no should about it. I'm going to be the president of okay. this podcast well, because I'm going to beat Becca in a fist fight. And you know what music we're going to play in the background? Is it going to be Josh Wildhorn? Uh, realistically, I'm going to pick the Doom soundtrack, but... But second choice would be Josh Wildhorn. Second choice, Josh Wildhorn. Yeah. I just can't... I don't know... I'm going to be honest. Sorry, Josh. I haven't gone to your SoundCloud at all because wow. I'm busy... Eating all this food and well, listening to Macy's podcast. I'm busy listening to Josh Wildhorn on SoundCloud at joshwildhorn.com. Or soundcloud.com slash joshwildhorn. I think I did that last time you were on the podcast, too. I messed it up. I'm sorry, Josh. Um, if you enjoyed all this good how to be a real-life adventurer talk, the dissertation by Professor Travis Roby, um, go ahead and give this podcast a good review. We still have a set of dice. Why does no one want the set of dice? I don't understand. Leave us a review. Let us know you did. Uh, I did have one of my clients listen to the last podcast. She wants them, but oh. she hasn't left a review. Well, tell her to leave I'm the gonna, review I'm and I will tease. literally hand deliver them to her. Yeah. Well, you, well, you so, know where I work, so you, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, I will that. do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, shout out to Josh Wildhorn. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at unlikely underscore adventures. We are on Twitter at unlikely podcast. We also have a Facebook group. It is the unlikely adventures uh, quest group. We also have a discord, the unlikely adventures party squad. 
I believe is what Becca named it. It is full of horrible memes, if you're interested in that. Um... So for my social media, I know last time I said do the scavenger hunt on your own, but... <laughs> you wrote I it. Suppose... You listened to the end of it. Yeah. This is going to be like an hour and a half podcast. Yeah, well... So... Well, my my social my social media is is tg underscore raven. The the scavenger hunt is over. You die. If you have any questions about health or fitness, just tweet them at me. I'll answer them eventually. Um, the thing I tell people is that advice is free. I can tweet from the toilet, so it's not like I have to do a whole lot of work to do it. So, questions and answers are. You don't. I don't need anything in return from that. I, I I get the satisfaction of knowing that I got to help another person, and that's worth a lot more than any monetary gains. As that nice as money like, is, that sounds like your campaign slogan. Yeah, I know. Yeah, wow. I know because You're I'm really working on it. I know because I'm gonna be the president of this podcast, Macy. Well, fight me, IRL, Becca. I think. Uh, oh, I did tweet out um, a good. If you have, if you want to vote in this election, it's either hashtag Becca and Macy for president, which or, is the wrong hashtag, to or use. hashtag Travis and Cameron for president. Yeah, that's the correct one. So if you want to vote, go ahead and send us a tweet with your vote, hashtag Becca and Macy for president. What's Cameron's Twitter? Can we bother him on Twitter? I think too? it's. I'll tweet it out if he gives me the okay. No, just do it without asking him. Just do it anyway. I mean, he's been he's been mentioned best before. If you want to find Cameron's, you can scavenge hunt You him. can scavenger hunt that one. There you go. That's your next task, people. I implore you, as your future president, oh, geez. Okay. to go on um, another scavenger hunt because those are so much fun. This has been Unlikely Adventures. My name is Macy Larson. I am still your future president and future defeater of Becca Morgan's okay, in single well, combat. That. All right, October 6th, people. October 6th. We'll keep you updated. We'll keep you oh, so okay. updated. <laughs>